Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Forget front row seats. We're taking you into the action on the field and in the dugout with Season 2 of Play Loud. Follow some of the league's biggest stars as we mic them up and get the cameras rolling during some of the hottest matchups of the season. Catch real-time reactions from Juan Soto and Francisco Lindor in the field and catch all the hilarious conversations between players off the field with unprecedented access. Watch episodes of Play Loud at YouTube.com slash MLB. Play Loud brings you baseball like you've never seen before. This is the Bradford Files. Why do I get to go first? Because you're the baddest. <laughs> the man who's trained with Dustin Pedroia will today be talking some bullpen as Rob will be joined by Alex Spear to discuss the Red Sox bullpen and that of the other teams in the AL East. All that and much more on the Bradford Files on WEI.com. Welcome to the next edition of the Bradford Files. With me today is Alex Spear, as Peter Gammon said, one of the finest writers, baseball writers in the country. Welcome, Alex. Does this have any like intro music or anything cool to introduce? Does the Bradford Files have anything awesome for it? Well, clearly you didn't listen to the beginning because I, it does. Thank you, thank you, Pete Gustin, for doing that. Okay, just wanted to verify. Uh, so what then we're I'm glad to be here. Thanks yeah, for well, I, I was worried there for a second yeah. that you weren't going to be glad to be here. Um, today, what we're going to be talking about is the bullpens. Bullpens about the the Bull Red Sox bullpen, the American League East bullpen, and if we have time, maybe get into the broader scope of the Major League Baseball bullpens. Um, about eighty percent of the names I had never heard of until I start started doing the Major League Baseball bullpen power rankings. So, That's a good reason not to invest heavily in relievers. If you're talking about guys who you don't know and they're like among the best in the game, then that's a pretty strong argument as to why you should be, you know, going for the uh, going for the the lottery <laughs> ticket guys rather than the the spend heavy guys. Well, it's a good point, and and also just in in terms of executing the major league baseball power rankings for bullpens, uh, it was a beast to do because of that exact reason. But I will say that I, I feel much more prepared for the season. And that's why I kept convincing myself as I sat down, and it took me three hours to do about four teams. <laughs> um, but at least I feel, okay, you know what? I, I know what how bad the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen is and what they did to address it, and and that'll make me a better person, I'm sure, going forward. Does the D-backs bullpen still have that guy with the awesome mustache, the guy who won the Mustache of the Year award? <laughs> I cannot I confirm or deny that. Was that Listen, Clay Zavada or when, when I'm just trying to, to – track down splits for lefties on the guy who's going to pitch the seventh inning 
which really, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks, that's the feat in itself. I do not look into mustaches. I'm sorry. It was an awesome one, though. Oh, okay, but well. Can, can, as a ground rule, can we also say that we will not use the word bullish in the course of this discussion? Well, I wasn't really going to use it. Okay, but outstanding. If you, I'll, I'll if you, you in that. If you have to hold back from that, then that's your prerogative. All right, fair All right enough. first we're going to get into the Red Sox bullpen. Uh, I obviously this was one of the things they identified at the end of the year. They always identify a couple of things they have to improve on. This was one of them. You look at the numbers on paper; they improved it dramatically, um, mostly by by spending some money and not not as much money as a lot some other teams who have tried to execute that, but some money. We we can't ignore the fact that the financial commitments that they made to a Bobby Jenks to a Dan Wheeler. But overall, and I'm going to ask you in a second, Alex, what you think of the the Red Sox bullpen, but one of the things I I saw when it jumped out to me was how effective Jenks and Wheeler were against left-handed hitters. Right. And and along with Dubront, who I I think will probably figure into the, the mix here unless something happens in spring training. Bard really was pretty good against lefties as well. He was pretty much great against them. Yeah, yeah, good against almost everybody, but very good against lefties. So you're looking at a group who could be very, very effective against left-handed bats, and it's kind of like the model that they had with Manny Del Carmen to a certain degree, which they always said, "Hey, you know what? We don't need an overload of lefties in the bullpen because one of our righties is very good against lefties." Well, Wheeler in particular, Wheeler is that was outstanding I, against left-handers. If I can jump in, though, I'd caution you about reading too much into that because the Rays essentially used him as a situational right-on-right guy and would leave him in against some of the feebler lefties in the majors. Uh, they would pull him. They would, and uh, so he wasn't facing elite competition against lefties because then the Rays would go to their bullpen and replace him. And his previous numbers against lefties were not good. Well, uh, well, and let me jump in here Please as well. And, and it's a fair point, but I guess how, what how I would counter this is maybe they should have pitched some more against lefties because the fact is he was 13th with pitchers of 30 innings or more against left-handed batters. He was he was 13th in the majors. And and that shows you an effectiveness. And true, in years past, he maybe had some problems, but for whatever reason, and maybe it's something to look toward in, forward to in spring training to ask about, he was very, very effective against left-handed. But, you know, that was just one aspect of it. I think overall, as the bullpen, it, it's much of it's going to be identified in terms of is Jonathan Papelbon going to be successful? Is he not going to be successful? I'm of the mind that he probably will have a good year. He, there's no question that he had a down year for him. There's absolutely no question. But you can't read too, too much into ERA when it comes to relievers. We know that, especially with closers, um, because a couple bad appearances can make that skyrocket. You look at blow, you look at giving up three runs or more, he – he, I think he he doubled what he had for in his entire career right. just last year. Right. So there's the no. ERA that was more than double what his. Career yeah, was. I, he had a, he had a he had a appreciably worse year than any other year than he had. But you talk about motivation and and not being having to be stretched out and so forth and so on with all these guys. I personally think that he probably have some of a bounce back year. Um, but all of this is just is just guessing right now. All we can go on is, hey, this is what they have on paper, and is it better than last year? And I say it probably is. 
Well, I think it would be hard for them not to have an upgrade over what they had last year. I mean, just, you know, going through the list of, of stuff that happened to them, uh, their bullpen gave up 63 homers last year. That was most in the majors. Uh, they had uh, 22 blown saves. That was fourth most in Major League Baseball and second most in the American League. Um, they also, and that's that's saying something that they gave up that many homers because Terry Francona fundamentally did not trust his bullpen last year, which resulted in stretching the starters as long as he could. The Red Sox bullpen only threw 445 innings last year, which was 24th in the majors and fewest in the American League East, which tells you something about, you know, on a on, with a starting rotation that struggled noticeably at times, Francona was always going to try to squeeze the extra outs from the rotation rather than going to the bullpen too early. So uh, I think you're right. There clearly has to be some identifiable improvement on their part this year. Uh, the question is how much? Because, you know, as, as you point out, there there is reason to think that they're going to improve. But I wonder how much a guy like, you know, there are also concerns with a guy like Jenks who has thrown fewer and fewer innings in four straight years. Uh, he had great strikeout numbers and probably was a victim of bad luck. But, you know, what is he? What's he going to be when he adapts to that eighth inning role? What's Papelbon going to be is, you know, are the last two years in which we've seen arguably, you know, diminished performance, even though I think the stuff has been pretty good. Um, are they indicative of a trend or is this, you know, are, is he prime for a bounce back year, which you clearly think he will be? Um, I, I tend to think there's got to be some kind of bounce back uh, as well. And uh, the results of which would be a, a better Red Sox bullpen. But. Well, well, let's talk about Papelbon a little yeah. bit because I can sit here and say he's going to have this bounce back year, and 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 people say, well, he's not going to have a bounce back year because he's he's on a downward plane here, but but still, there are some things that he has to improve on his fastball velocity. While up at certain times, especially in the second half last year, was encouraging, you, you still didn't get that little bit of life at the end of it that he was known so much for. He, as optimistic as he was at the end of the year about his slider, about another pitch, as optimistic as he was about his split, which he threw, which he, which is a huge factor in his successes last year because he didn't have it the year before. Right. The question remains: Is will he be able to kind of? evolve into a different type of pitcher because he does have these other pitches and he doesn't maybe have to rely on these other the, the fastball quite as much but it, it would seem that that when he tried to integrate some of these other pitches either they were at the wrong time or they weren't quite as effective that day and it just seemed that there were times where it just wasn't all coming together for him. The stuff might have been there, but it just wasn't all coming together for him. Yeah, I think it was a really weird year for him because there were times, you know, on some nights, it, all three pitches were there for him, and it was like, holy smokes, this is, you know, a more impressive pitcher than we've seen since, you know, maybe 2008, 2007 on certain nights. But then it wasn't consistently there. So I think that uh, that's the bigger question. And I do think that you're right, that he can no longer live and die with his fastball because, you know, seemingly it's lost some of that explosion at the end. I'm not sure why, because the velocity readings are great, but uh, it just seems like, you know, like the degree of swing and miss isn't the same as it was. You know, more fa you see more foul balls against the fastball and just fewer punch outs that he's able to get with it, which is why he's become more dependent on the secondary pitches. So there are questions about him, but I, I think, you know, lost in Papelbon's struggles and, you know, an ERA in the high threes is the fact that, he remains. He continues to be viewed as you know one of the better pitcher, one of the better relievers in the majors, and a guy who had a down year rather than 
a guy who's you know who's now a crappy pitcher and who's you know who has no shot of finding it or who you'd have to have you know the winning lottery ticket in order to really have a great season from him would anyone be surprised if he was back around a two era this no season? i think that's where there's a disconnect in terms of the people who understand what's going on the people don't is that so many people they'll, they'll call the, to wei and say you know papelbon had a terrible year this last year he was awful and how can you ever go into next year as a closer you you pointed out perfectly so he had a down year for him there's no question about that. But still, the down year for him was still amongst he, – he remains amongst the best closers in baseball. I mean, I think that that's hard to argue. Unless he has a second season like this one, in which case he's going to be falling from that pantheon at the wrong time as he's hitting free agency. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yes. We can get into that whole topic about the market for, for closers. That's, maybe that's a whole other show. But the fact is, is that – for him to make the money, and I do think that there's money to be made for him out there next year. He's still going to – it's not that dissimilar than the DH market in the mm-hmm. sense that I think David Ortiz can make some money next year in the DH market, maybe more than a lot of people think. But he will have to be the 35 to 40 home run guy to do it. Jonathan Papelbon can make money out there in the closers market, but he has to be that lockdown guy, closer to the lockdown guy than he was in previous years. If he has a year like Soriano had, then he'll make Soriano-type money. Yeah, yeah. So, um, And who knows, maybe more because – or. It, the market might have changed. One team might step up and be a little bit more desperate than another team. But that may be a conversation for another time. In terms of, I'm interested to get your thoughts on the American League East bullpens as a whole because this is one thing that can be a great separator. Maybe not say, hey, you know what, the Blue Jays or the Orioles or even the Rays are going to have this great bullpen and therefore they're going to leapfrog the Yankees or the Red Sox. But in terms of just giving the Red Sox and Yankees a hard time and maybe even staying in it toward the end there, um, I'm going to start with the Yankees, however. One thing going through their bullpen, which I, I still rate above the Red Sox, just because you have one of the best closers, and you have one of the best closers setting up one of the best closers. And that's that's hard to overcome. Pretty compelling. But I'll come back to you know my fascination with lefties, especially when you your chief rival, the Red Sox, have a lineup laden with lefties, is that... You have Soriano, who's pretty good. He's pretty good against everyone, right. let's, be, let's be honest. With you. But you have Boone Logan. You have um, Marte. Um, Pedro Feliciano. You know, Feliciano. signing for them, I think, in, in, in that respect, in, that he's a guy who can always take the ball, and he's been really consistent. There's three guys right there. Yeah. And, and again, that's not even including Soriano. And, and one thing that was interesting to note, uh, Rivera's year last year, and I think it was the first time in four seasons, that – the opponent's batting average was better um, from the left side than the right side, mm-hmm. which was so, uh, a role reverse of what it usually is because it was cutter. Right. So, um, but that aside, they're loaded up to to deal with at least part of that Red Sox heavy uh, lefty heavy lineup. Yeah, I certainly think that uh, you know Brian Cashman clearly has been drinking truth serum over most of this off season <laughs> with so, with with a bandana on his head most of the time. God bless. And, <laughs> yeah, while repelling down the side of buildings. Uh, and so if he says that the Yankees have a better bullpen, I guess we should believe him. Um, but uh, I think that you're absolutely right that you know even just having the Soriano and Rivera tandem is is a separator because that's you know that's kind of like what the Rays had last year. Uh, in having uh, in having Joaquin Benoit 
and Rafael Soriano. Those were two of the best handful of relievers in the American League, and as a result, the bullpen became a big advantage for the Rays and a significant part of why they were able to play themselves to the American League East. Um, so I, I do think that uh, you know, given those end of game options and then the matchups with all of the all of the other lefties, you know, what lineup aren't they going to be kind of well structured in order to be able to handle? Um, I, I do think that you know now. The other part of that equation, of course, is that their bullpen might be leaned on heavily. So it might get back to the days of Paul Quantrill throwing <laughs> until his arm falls. Wow! Off. Yeah, let's let's. I don't, Joe Torre is not uh, walking through that door with with the options of Tom Gordon, Paul Quantrill, and and Scott um, Proctor. Scott Proctor. That's thank you. That was the other one. That yes, was... the proctology one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that uh, that's. Uh, uh, it will be interesting to see whether or not uh, whether or not the Yankees end up just burning guys out as a result of the paucity of innings that they're able to get from their rotation. But at least they have CC to give them quite a few innings at the front. But I, I think that otherwise it, it would be hands down for me that the Yankees have the best bullpen in the AL East and, and presumably in the American League well, as well. For time's sake, we'll just go through the other three teams in the American League East, and and you can rate them in terms of where you think the bullpens lie. And Rays, Orioles, Blue Jays, I'll give my take real quick. Um, I think the Orioles potentially have a good bullpen because of some of the acquisitions they made. Uh, remains to be seen, I think, that if Kevin Gregg can can really cement himself as a legitimate closer, I think the wild card in that situation is Mike Gonzalez. If he can come back and be healthy, then you have a guy who, who you can implement there with um, with maybe even an Accardo. I know that he's more of a he's he's more of a, a, a risk, but um, I think that there's some potential there. Blue Jays along the same lines. Can Francisco be that guy? Can Dotel supply them with the consistency? Frazier, can he get back to being the consistent guy that he, he really once was for them? There's a lot of wild cards. And then I would go with the Rays as the last one. The Rays, who had such a good bullpen last year, but so many question marks. You go from from... They're talking about J.P. Howe as a possible closer coming off of Tommy Com- John. coming off Tommy John surgery. Kyle Farnsworth, we know you know how that that has been throughout. That welcome back to the AL. Yeah, style. I mean he's he's my poster boy for when a team tries to throw money at at a problem in the bullpen. The Yankees throwing money at Kyle Farnsworth that year was the example of it not working out and why sometimes you don't want to go down that yeah, road. Yeah, Cashman even has given that as an example of <laughs> yeah. why he doesn't like to give money to middle relievers. Yeah, and, and then, you know, but they also have this kid, McGee, who they're looking at as this the kind of closer and waiting. Sure. Good for them, but until that happens... That that might not be a strength, and right. as, in waiting up uh, yeah, yeah. is never is never the ideal one for a team is structuring its bullpen. And as good year. as good as the Rays bullpen was last year, let's not forget how horrific they were just a couple of years ago. So we've one thing we've seen with all bullpens is that the ebbs and flows of it. The Red Sox are another example. Sure. Very good bullpen in two thousand nine, not so not so good from top to bottom two thousand ten. In answering your question, Rob, uh, I have no idea how the other bullpens shake down for a couple of reasons. First is the volatility that you've cited on a year-to-year basis. No one ever knows what's going on with a bullpen. Uh, And secondly, I didn't know half of those moves that had been made. I I exaggerate only (laughs) slightly, but it's been tough to keep up with the musical chairs that have been going on with all of the bullpens in the American League East. So um, that part has has been a bit confusing. So overall, yes, I think that you're right. The Rays, you know, 
the Rays hit big on a lot of guys last year. Without Joaquin Benoit, are they that, that bullpen? Certainly not. And do they have a guy who could be Joaquin Benoit part deux? Uh, I have no idea. You know, I think that that uh, remains a vast mystery. I do actually like some of the personnel in the Orioles' bullpen. For instance, you know, Koji Uehara. Uh, I, I love. You know him. what? That's the one I forgot. I apologize and, for that. You know, he had a, a historically good strikeout to walk ratio last year. I think that he was like forty-four to four or something ridiculous. <laughs> you, you know, I knew there was a reason I was optimistic about that Baltimore bullpen. And when I brought up Accardo's name, I'm like, that cannot be the reason that I was optimistic. But yeah. you brought up the name that I that I had missed. Yeah, Uehara is is a very interesting guy. And you know, along with Greg, both of those guys have succeeded while pitching and closing, for that matter. In the American League East, although I think that Uehara probably has some pretty significant health concerns attached to him, so that's a significant mystery. Um, but you know, it's it's interesting what what the Orioles have tried to have tried to accomplish in in rebuilding their bullpen. I think I like the Orioles bullpen as the number three in the American League East, just in theory, because you know they have guys who have succeeded in the AL East. But that said. You know there are a bunch of wild cards with them as there are uh, as as there are with these other three teams we're talking about with the Blue Jays. Yeah, I like Frank Francisco's stuff and think that he was actually a good kind of buy low guy for them uh, this coming for this coming season. Uh, Frazier has actually been more he's surprised me with uh, with his consistency and performance over time against the Red Sox. His numbers against them are outrageous. Um, but uh, you know I think that. We'll see. Is there a is there a lockdown closer in on any of those three teams? I don't think you'd be as optimistic about any of them as you would be about Papelbon. So, you know, I think that there's a lot to be sorted out. The Orioles had a terrible bullpen last year. Can they turn it around? I don't know. We'll find out. Well, yeah, it's, it's discussion that we're going to keep on keeping on, and uh, we'll probably get back at it once spring training and happens and and some of these teams start sorting out these bullpens so for now thanks for coming along for the ride and we'll catch you next time always a pleasure to be shotgun in the bradford files Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Now you can enjoy MLB Play, the one app with all your favorite free MLB games. Enjoy Beat the Street, Quick Pick, and more. Enjoy competing against friends. Enjoy unlocking exclusive rewards. Plus, your chance to win $5.6 million. Download MLB Play. Enjoy the app. Enjoy the show. MLB Play.
No purchase necessary. Must be 21 or older to enter Beat the Streak, which ends at the conclusion of the MLB regular season or when the grand prize is won. Restrictions apply. See MLB.com forward slash play for official rules. A bad team facing a good team is never completely out of it. Nick Costos, co-host of You Better You Bet. 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern on the BetQL Network. There's 162 games in the season. The best teams are going to lose 60 plus times and the worst teams are going to win 60 plus times. Each night is its own individual entity. That's what makes betting on the baseball regular season so much fun. All the insight you need to bet smarter is at BetQL.com. And listen to You Better You Bet with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley streaming weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern on Odyssey.